Good day, educators. Welcome to our award-winning podcast series, Classroom Conversations, the platform for Georgia's teachers. Classroom Conversations is a joint project from your very favorite education meets media duo, the Georgia Department of Education and Georgia Public Broadcasting. Wherefore aren't we here? Why, to serve as a place for educators to share and learn. May this be the 30-minute highlight of your day as you listen in. Hi, I'm host Ashley Mingwasser in studio with two mystery guests whom I'll reveal momentarily. Today's vibe is moving on up, onward and upward, full steam ahead, forward march. You picking up what I'm putting down? For professionals, few words come with feelings as happy and hopeful as the word promotion. In the context of our schools, promotions refers to advancing students from their current grade level to the next. Let's widen our listener circle for this convo because today's episode bears powerful information for teachers, students, and families alike. Promotions is about the strategies and support teachers give students to succeed in the next grade level as they are promoted from elementary to middle school, from middle to high, or from high school to their continuing education. Talk about ch-ch-changes. Without the proper support, it could feel like entering a whole new world, an educational twilight zone. But my guest today just wouldn't let that happen, so don't worry about that. How apropos that both women beside me today have their own promotions to boast of. Vanessa Ellis's current title is academic coach for Double Churches Middle School in Muskogee County. Before this, Vanessa taught eighth grade social studies and has a true passion for history, which I'll only tease now. You just wait. Vanessa was named the 2022 Muskogee County Teacher of the Year and the 2017 Georgia Economics Teacher of the Year by the Georgia Council on Economic Education. And Laura Lambert now serves as STEM Program Director for the Newton College and Career Academy's STEM Institute, non-traditional high school in Newton County, where she is the project-based learning queen. That's right, Laura. Laura was formerly an AP biology and biotechnology teacher there. She began her career as a Woodrow Wilson STEM teaching fellow, fancy, and is the 2023 Newton County Teacher of the Year. Both Vanessa and Laura are 2024 Teacher of the Year finalists for Georgia, landing in the top 10, and Vanessa is our runner-up. How amazing. Welcome and congratulations, you two. Hey, thank you so much, Ashley. I'm glad to be here today. I'm so glad to be here. You're glad to be here? Yeah. How's everybody today? We're doing well. We're Excited. doing good. We're doing good. And you guys, honestly, uh, you're superb representatives for a promotions episode. You're dropping accolades like pennies in a well, or like I drop my phone on concrete, which is daily. Laura, you're in year seven. Vanessa, year seven. you're in year 12 in education? Starting my 13th. Oh, starting your 13th. Okay, you guys tell me, what led you to teaching? Laura? Um... Nothing. I, I did not want to be a teacher. Um, so so my mom's a, a teacher, and growing up, I got that behind-the-scenes look at the, the trials and tribulations of, of being a, a public educator. And I, under no circumstances, wanted to be a teacher. Look at um, you. And look at me now. No, it was, it was really in my, so my senior year of college that I um, started to think about, you know, what about science did I really enjoy? And it wasn't necessarily being in the lab. It was more of how do I get to talk to other people and explain to them what I've been doing in the lab. And, and, and those opportunities to communicate science to people was really valuable to me. 
Um, and so the Woodrow Wilson STEM Fellowship came across my my desk, and I went for it. And look, I'm here and now seven you're on years a podcast. later. Yeah, yeah. yeah, for educators, seven years in. Congratulations on that and all that you've achieved. Thank you. Vanessa, what's your what's your pathway to education? So I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum from Laura. <laughs> I have always known that I was going to be an educator. Um, from when I was growing up, I would have my little brothers and force them to play school with oh, me. Oh, yeah. Um, and going through school, if my friends didn't understand something, they would say, hey, Vanessa, can you break this down for us? And I just kind of learned that I had a way of communicating with people and, and getting them to understand abstract information. So, um, and then also the teachers that I had growing up in Muskogee County who poured into me, I was like, wow, I really want to do what they do and give back how they give back. So I always knew I was going to be a teacher, and that's exactly what I went to college for and majored in history and education. And you stayed in Muskogee. Stayed in Muskogee, product of it, and now I teach there. A full circle Cinderella story. I love it so much. In your spare time, women, I know that's probably funny. In your spare time, and also just um, just you being you, I want to hear more about you personally. So would you tell me about yourselves? You go first, Vanessa. Um, sure. So um, I'm married to Oliver Ellis, and we have three children together. My husband is also an educator. We actually met teaching at the same school. Um, we started dating, got engaged, got married, had our first kid together, all while working at the same school. So our family is really intricately linked with school. And so in our spare time, a lot of what we do is kind of related to education. Um, but when we're not doing that, we love to travel. We love to eat. Um, we especially love exploring the state of Georgia. And teaching Georgia studies for so long, it's really cool that my state is like this big backyard to explore, to connect with what I teach my students. So for our anniversary, actually, we went up to um, Dahlonega, Georgia, which oh, was yeah. where the first gold rush was. And I was able to um, explore that with my husband and then take pictures and share it on Instagram with my students. Of course. Did you pan for gold? I did not, um, but I did visit the gold museum. Okay, so there was some gold in your experience. Uh, well, you're going to earn some gold in your own right, Vanessa, because you're a pretty good rapper. Oh, Lord. And uh, we have evidence of that. Would you tell us a bit about it first? <laughs> okay, so my first year of teaching, I went to the Ron Clark Academy, and um, Ron Clark is known for his raps and his songs and, like, all the teachers at his school. And I was like, I, I could do that. Now, I didn't think I was a good rapper, but I am a good writer. Like, I know how to write. So I tried it one day. I put myself out there in front of seventh graders. And for all my middle school teachers, you know how horrifying that could be. But they really loved it and enjoyed it. And so every year I would write more and more songs. And I kind of built up this, this bank of educational raps that help my students connect with the content. And they are brilliant. In fact, we have we have one of your sample tracks about World War One and World War Two. So let's cue that up and listen for a moment. World War One. World War One. Worldwide depression. Rise of Nazism. World War Two. World War Two. Anti-Semitism. Spread of communism. Conflict and change. Europe. Vanessa, that is true treasure you're providing <laughs> your students not only are you so on rhythm your beat is a pretty sick beat oh I and the you. lyrics what did you think laura i i learned something because i, I am no history teacher and 
1917 is the date that I <laughs> yeah. And know. and Germany's involvement, it was just a wonderful. It was wonderful for me too, rehashing kind of those lessons I should have learned in school. <laughs> you guys are too kind. No, thank, thank you. you for what you're doing in your classroom. It's awesome. I want to hear about what you're doing in and out of the classroom, Laura. Tell us about yourself and your own quirks. Sure, sure. So um, my husband and I actually had chemistry class together. <laughs> nice. Um, so so we, I wonder what you're going. We to do met there. in high school, um, and and. We've been together, and we have a, a four-legged child. He's I a golden that. retriever. His What's name's his Tucker. Name? Tucker. He, um, we, we love to travel with him. He's, he's a great road trip dog. Um, he's been to more states than most people have. How uh, many states has he um, been to? I think we're at fourteen. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, he's been up and down the East Coast. He's so. a well-traveled woofer. He is. What he a is. cutie. Um, but yeah, in our in in my time outside of the classroom, I I'm a big traveler. Um, we did a pretty big trip in Europe this summer, and. Um, not only do I like to travel in my personal life, but I've also traveled with students before, and that is such a big part of my teaching experience so far is, is getting to take kids out of the classroom, whether it's to Athens, which is just down the road from, from Covington, or if it's across the ocean. Um, getting to see kids in new environments and watching them kind of contend with the world around them is hilarious. But it's really fun and exciting because you get to kind of live the experience again through them. Yeah. And, and I love that. You're a part-time tour guide. Where yeah, have you taken your students? For sure. Um, so I've taken them to Germany and Switzerland. We actually got to hike through the Alps wow. when we were in, in Switzerland. Um, and then just last summer, I took a group to Italy. That is so cool. Mm -hmm. I know you yeah. told me when we first spoke that you just part of being a teacher means your professional and personal lives just kind of blur. They do. They and do. Vanessa echoed that. Well, thank you for all you're doing for our students in classrooms. You guys are fascinating people. What are you both looking forward to this academic year? Um, so, you know, we're both in new roles, and I don't even think either of us quite know what we've gotten ourselves into <laughs> with these new positions. Um, but but my big goal as the STEM program director is is – First and foremost, let's keep up the successes that our program had last year. Um, but second is, well, what more can we do? And, and what m new initiatives can we start um, and, and have our kids be a part of? Um, last year, for the first time, we were able to send a student to the International Science Fair. And the goal this year is, well, we sent one. Let's send three. More. More. More, more. to ISO. So, so more, um, just more opportunities for students to set themselves apart is a big goal of our STEM program. That's a great goal. Vanessa? So um, it's it's funny because I would have never seen myself where I am today. Like when you start off and you major in education or you become a teacher, one, you never seek out to become the teacher of the year. It's like something that happens to you and you're like, wow. So when I became my district's teacher of the year, um, you get to travel around your district and you hear teachers' stories and a lot of them were saying the same thing. We want support. We want affirmation. Um, we want to be treated like professionals. And mm. I just heard that everywhere that I went. And so after the um, Georgia Teacher of the Year running, um, I returned back to my county and I said, what more can I do for teachers? If, if I've heard that same line over and over again, I want to be part of that solution. I want to be the support for teachers. And so going into an academic coach role, um, man, I have been getting it because <laughs> the first couple weeks of school is like, all right, well, I need to be visible. I want to build relationships with teachers, get them to trust me, let them know that I'm here to support them, their instruction, and ultimately their students. And so 
as a result of that, it's just like I've been on go mode the entire time. Yeah. So what I'm looking forward to most this year is just um, getting the teachers to trust me, um, welcoming them or having them welcome me into their classroom. Since I don't have students of my own, I'm looking forward to learning all of the kids of this building um, and just really being the teacher and the support system that teachers want at this time. That teachers need. You're yes. showing up for teachers. Yes. Well, Vanessa, with you in the late middle school background side, Laura's with high school, you're a great tag team to discuss our topic today, that handoff from middle to high or from you know elementary to middle, uh, depending on our teachers who are listening. Help tease our promotions topic today by revealing a few factors, if you will, that are surprisingly relevant to promoting students. Maybe something we haven't always thought about. Who'd like to go first? Um, so... For the middle schoolers who are, or for the elementary students who are moving into, into middle. The middle school, um, something that may be surprising <laughs> from, for the, a middle school teacher is we when we come in, we automatically assume students know how to do all of these things. Everything. They know how to study. They know how to plan, right? You've been in school all this time. You know how to do all these things. And so it's a, a big reality check when those kids come to us and they have no executive functioning skills whatsoever. And they've been taught some things in elementary school, but it's been very regimented or they have chants or they have things that guide them. But it kind of falls off when they get to middle school and they really have to learn through experience. And so um, it's just interesting to see them carry a million trapper keepers and <laughs> um, things are color pencils are falling all over the floor when they first get there because they just don't know how to manage all the things. All the stuff, yes. The heavier backpack. Oh my gosh. And they're so tiny. I mean, the book bag is bigger than them when they come in sixth grade. That's true. Yeah. I remember when I went from elementary to middle, I asked my mom, I was like, do they speak English there? And she was like, <laughs> yes. You I mean, you just, you can't take anything for granted as a kid because you're just not sure. It seems like a completely different wilderness. For doesn't sure. It? Yeah. What's your take on this? Laura? No, I, I think Vanessa is so right. Th that is a challenge in middle school and that is a continuing challenge in high school of you expect them to be able to do all of these things when they come in and they a lot of them don't a lot of them don't know how to write an email mm. a lot of them don't know how to manage things with an agenda or calendar um, and so I can definitely echo Vanessa's sentiment at the high school level for for me I would say the biggest thing is self-advocacy oh wow that that you know coming with the lack of maybe some of those executive skills, there's also the, well, how do I get help? Yeah. Well, you have to advocate for yourself. How do I ask for what I want? And how, do you, how do you ask for what you want in a professional way? Um, and how do you make sure that you're getting what you need? Um, that's a really challenging thing to get students to grasp because if they don't tell us that they are challenged or they need help, it may be a while before we figure that out ourselves. Um, and so at a high school level, just being able to advocate for oneself is huge. And the teenager advocating for themselves mm -hmm. and, and maybe maybe letting the teenager do it. Um, there are still parents at the high school level that are not quite ready to let go of that control. Yeah. Um, but it's really important that oh, they do it. This is going to be such a wonderful conversation. Let's get into our topical question, shall we? Okay, so students are being promoted through the grade levels. How do teachers help students get used to changes like campus size, class size, teacher accessibility? What can teachers do? 
So it's really important that they're, um, that your elementary schools and your middle schools are talking and your middle schools and your high schools are talking so that you can kind of set up a seamless transition or as seamless as you can make it. So where I teach in Muskogee County, we have what's called feeder schools. So you have a cluster of elementary schools that feed into the middle school. So we reach out to them and we set up um, like fifth grade nights and um, our incoming sixth graders and their families will come in and we'll kind of give them an overview of what middle school is like. Um, we showcase all of our sports and our clubs, you know, to get the kids really excited, um, give them a tour of the school. And probably, according to the kid, the most important thing is getting their first locker. So oh, yeah. Getting that locker combination. Big dreams come true. Yeah. But um, just... A lot of um, communication to say, hey, this is what we're doing. We want to invite you in. We want to communicate with you um, so that kids don't show up on the first day of middle school not knowing. We want it to be a, a comfortable transition for our students and our parents. Yes. It's almost like that night is so important because they're getting, I'm from the entertainment industry, obviously, Vanessa, but they get a rehearsal, right? They get to yes. kind of see what it's like. Exactly. How could you do it otherwise? Yeah. What do you add to this, Laura? No. So I, I love that you brought up the idea of rehearsals because, um, you know, the STEM Institute at NCCA, which is the Newton College and Career Academy, we're a bit unique in that students have to apply, interview, and be accepted into Ooh. our school. Um, and so we only accept a cohort of 56 freshmen wow. every year. Um, and then they move as a cohort through our program. Um, and so what we do is we actually have a summer bridge camp that they come to for a day. And like this year, since I'm the STEM program director now, I was in charge of planning and running it. And one of the things I thought about is, well, how are they going to know how to navigate a high school class schedule and class changes and we are on an A-B schedule, which means they have A classes on Mondays and Wednesdays and B classes on, on Wednesdays I and gotcha. or Thursdays or Tuesdays and Thursdays. But but so what I did is I, I made a mock schedule. I gave them a map and, hey, pretend to follow this schedule today. You have to get to your class on time. Good luck. <laughs> um, and so it was really cool because instead of just having some of our older students give them a tour, now we gave them all the tools they needed like to figure it out. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I like that. And so I, I definitely I asked some of our freshmen if they thought it was helpful on the first day of school, and they were like, "Yes, I'm so glad I figured out where these classes were." So <laughs> that's really cool. Vanessa, here's one for you: uh, When an elementary student moves up to middle school, how can teachers help students learn to manage the expectations of having multiple teachers, which is a big shift from elementary to middle? Yeah. So um, the first thing is, especially if you teach sixth grade only, because sixth graders are so different from seventh and eighth graders. Oh, yeah. Um, so our sixth grade teachers, especially, um, they have to have grace and understanding of that transitionary period with those kids. But how you get them um, is first to make a comfortable learning environment for them. Um, that's by building relationships, building trust with the kids, and then from there, making sure that you're modeling expectations for the students and you're explicitly going over it. Because just like we teach academics, you have to teach those executive function skills. You have to teach behaviors um, because what was acceptable in elementary school may or may not be acceptable now in middle school. So you have to explicitly tell them these things. You have to model it for them. 
And you also have to practice. So things like how you walk down a hallway. No, you don't shimmy the entire way down. No, you don't hit your friends when you're walking down the hallway. Um, we have a bell system. So you have to get to class on time now. It's not a teacher escorting you from, from class, class to, to class. class. And so you have to tell them this. You have to give them practice. Um, and you have to remain firm in those expectations because if you don't, the kids will just kind of continue to do what they've always done. Um, and then communication is a huge part of this. And so you spoke about advocacy. And so we try to start that at the middle school level as well, um, especially in this more digital age. So kids have all kind of apps and things. We have a learning management system, Canvas. We have a student information system, Infinite Campus. We have all of these things. So we have to teach them and show them how to utilize it. These platforms. Exactly. And so you you just kind of teach it to them. Yeah. yeah. If they can learn, like the little ones I'm around, how to play five different games, and fi they can do it. Yes, they can. They can do it. Have you two noticed any physical changes that affect students as they're growing, moving into adolescence? I imagine there are some. So there are some unique challenges um, with working, I would say, with freshmen in particular, because there are some big physical differences in, in the boys especially, um, and that can cause some kind of tensions in the classroom sometimes. Mm. It's also a challenge from a science teacher's perspective, because lab coats sometimes <laughs> don't fit um, and sometimes swallow them, um, and so... But, but in terms of whether or not like physical differences cause any challenges in high school, I wouldn't say so. Um, it's more of a, of a social hierarchy, hierarchy that, yes. that's created there. That is kind of looming yes. and that the students are very much aware of they where are, yeah. they fit into it. What do you say, Vanessa? So um, one of the many reasons why I love middle school is because there is so much growth. From the time they enter sixth grade to the time they live and leave in eighth grade, they are completely different kids. They oh look completely different. So you have sixth graders who look like actual babies, and you have eighth graders who look like grown adults. Um, and then you get to watch them come in as these kind of like awkward, like <laughs> I um, remember, <laughs> not so fondly, <laughs> um, just awkward and unsure of themselves. Their social skills are kind of all over the place and you watch them grow. And by the time they live in eighth grade, there are these young adults, um, most of them, um, who are, are ready to take on high school. And it's, it's just really heartwarming to watch mm -hmm. that development, you know? Yeah. Yes, I, I totally get that. How can middle and high school teachers help students learn their routine and their new school faster so that the transition from one school to the next has minimal effects on them? All right, we heard about, you know, curriculum night. That's a big deal, or fifth grade night, whatever you called it. Certainly. Um, so as I alluded to earlier is just making sure you're teaching those practices, um, giving students opportunities to, hey, let's log into our um, learning management system. Let's learn our logins. Um, let's make sure we know how to find our email, compose an email. Um, we are managing things like due dates and calendars, um, making sure that students are getting to class on time, adhering to that bell system, and receiving consequences if they don't. Um, there are so many things that teachers can do to help that. Um, and like I said earlier, a lot of that is just making sure that you're working with those kids and holding high expectations for them and giving opportunities to fail and kind of giving them that feedback along the way. Right. And talking about it openly yeah. with your class, right? Like, yes. hey, I've noticed a lot of people relate today. 
we need to be conscious of that. You yes. know, calling calling it out and making it a, a you know a shared responsibility certainly for the class. I think too, as a teacher, it's your responsibility to create that culture of high expectations in your classroom. But at, at the Career Academy, we have a building-wide culture of high expectations. Um, it's funny that Vanessa brought up bells. We don't have bells at our school. You don't? No. What? No. Um, you know, they're not bells in the workplace. Oh, yeah. Um, and so you got to get to that meeting. They're not. Yeah. So so our students have to manage their time in a very different way mm-hmm. um, that they're, you know, they know that class ends at 1107. And so you'll see students at 1105 kind of starting to pack up. And as a teacher, that was always my cue of like, oh, well, oh class is over. Class is over. Um, and then they just leave. But well, very self-starting. Of yeah, they, they, absolutely. And and I think, too, at the, at the Career Academy, because our focus is on workforce development and preparedness in terms of employability and professionalism, we have adopted this culture that all of us say hi to our students every single morning. All of us are shaking hands, and we know our students um, you know, pretty strongly, and we know what their goals are. So I think that culture of, of excellence is important to foster in your classroom, but also in your building. Mm-hmm. And then transparency. That's always been a big thing for me as a teacher, that if I am assigning something or, or asking you to do something, I'm going to be as transparent as possible about what my expectations are. Um, and we have a learning management system, Canvas, as well. And when I'm designing my Canvas page, I'm making sure, how do I reduce the number of clicks it takes mm. for a student to get to what I need them ah, to get to? Ah, nice. Um, how do I make sure that my rubrics are crystal clear and my assignment instructions are crystal clear? Because so much of, of high school, I think, is figuring out the game and knowing what each of your separate teachers is expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, because they do have just like in middle school, a group of teachers that they are trying to, to work with and work for. And so knowing what each wants is kind of the learning curve of the first semester, I think. Yeah. Wow. That mm-hmm. is that is a connection I've never made. Here I sit, 36 years old, when Laura just said it, kind of the, the college-level curriculum approach, which you're taking at your school, mm-hmm. is very much like ser- the teacher-student relationship for the student is very much like serving a client. It's like, right, yeah. how is this work? Uh, how, how do you regard this work? Is there something mm-hmm. I could do differently or better? It's kind of a reverse responsibility relationship, you know? Yeah, in a way. And, and that's, like that. too, at the Career Academy, and I think I, I hope I'm speaking for most of our staff, I'm not even sure we view ourselves as as instructors or educators. You know, some days we we are project managers. Some Ah. days we are facilitators. Some days we're subject matter experts. But I think in general, in a classroom, you just have a continuum of learners. Yes. And and the the educator is on there as well in the continuum. And and working as a team in a classroom is a much different experience. Um, Whereas I think so often we are used to teacher at the front of the class is delivering instruction. Um, and in my experience, that's not what high school, at least my high school, looks like anymore. Mm-hmm. I love that. What are your insider tips for students? Let's talk to students for a second. What do you want them to do as they're promoted? Um, so at the middle school level, as they're moving from um, grade to grade, I want our students to remember that middle school is a challenging time. Um, We've talked a lot about academics and executive function, but a lot of school is also those relationships and and the social aspect of it. And so making sure that we're teaching our students to be 
nice human beings um, who are accepting of one another and help one another and can communicate and collaborate. Um, students need to avoid, you know, some of the, the bad things that can happen or they can be exposed to. Um, learn how to communicate that to a parent or a teacher if they see something, say something. Um, so just remembering that it's not just books and academics, but, you know, our school is a place where we want to feel um, joy and we want to feel safe and we want to feel accepted. Beautiful. So, so this year in our STEM program, there's an excerpt of a poem that I um, keep reading to our students, and I cannot remember the life, for the life of me the poet's name. But the poem is called um, Traveler, There Is No Path. And the poem basically goes, traveler, there is no path. The path is made by walking. Mm. And this idea that there are an infinite number of paths to success. Yes. Mm. And that success for one student does not look the same for success for another student. And this idea that you do not have to follow the prescribed graduate top of your class, must go to a four-year university, mm -hmm. must get you know a six-figure job. That is just one version of success. And, and we really encourage our students to blaze their own paths, um, to start their own projects and their own student-led organizations. We have a project called the STEM Ex Extension Project, or SEP, and it's something that was started probably about six years ago by a student at our school that thought, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we had a bus that we drove around our community and could do science experiments in? Whoa. And you get those kids in front of the right people and with the right funding source and you can make those projects Their ideas happen. come to life. And, and that has been a sustained project and that was something that was student led and, and they're taking it in new and different directions every year. And so I think for me, students have to realize that there is no prescribed way to do it right. Yes. And to be comfortable with living in the unknown and making mistakes um, because especially in our program, it's our job to challenge you. Oh, yeah. It's not our job to make it easy. Um, we're not challenging you just out of spite. We're challenging you because it's going to make you better. Yes. One of the shockwaves of high school, the latter years, and going on to college is the dawning of self-agency. You kind of realize, I'm responsible for myself. And what you said, Laura, I choose my own path in life. It's like being the character in the play, and then the spotlight comes right on top of your head. And, you know, you're, you're up. You're mm -hmm. the star of the show. So that's something interesting to think about. Do either of you have a personal story about a student who may have struggled or succeeded with their grade level promotion? Yeah, so um, in, in my classroom, I'm a big advocate for grade reform. So often we see students working for grades, not working for learning, uh -huh. not working for understanding. And so at the start of the school year, I, I present to them, like, what is a grade? What is an A? What is a B? And we, we talk about these things. And slowly over the year, I'm chipping away at that grade-heavy mentality of my students. And so um, they come to me at the beginning of eighth grade obsessed about their grades because they want to get into the magnet programs at the high school. That's they, right. They're just they're really— thinking ahead. But um, as we talk about grades and learning, um, I had a young lady who just obsessed would come to me about every little point. Um, but by the end of the year, she wrote me this entire long email saying, Miss Ellis, thank you so much for changing my mind about how I learn oh. because 
the good grades will come if I'm focused on the learning, if I'm focused on um, how to self-assess, how to prioritize, how to look at what I've done wrong and or incorrectly and look at how I can improve that because those are skills that transfer out, not just my grades. And so those little stories really warm my heart because I'm passionate about grading, but I also want students for themselves to see why it's important to um, to focus on their learning because that's what matters ultimately. Dang, Vanessa, I got goosebumps. It's not because <laughs> I'm cold either. That was beautiful. What do you have for us, Laura? Yeah, so um, part of our one of our STEM program initiatives in the past few years has been to um, start teaching AP biology to freshmen. Ah. Um, and some people think we are absolutely crazy <laughs> for doing it. Um, but but we, we have good intentions behind it, and, and we have a track record of success so far. Um, and so when our freshmen come into our program, um, they are very bright, very motivated. You know, they have to apply and get accepted into the program. Um, they are very grades motivated. And so one of the things that I, I did, and it really bothered some of the freshmen for the first few nine weeks or first nine weeks of school was um, introducing a project where they had to design a drug. And the idea is there's not a right answer to this. And they hate that. They hate that. <laughs> they hate that there is not one single right, right answer, answer that they can just tick off and know for sure that they got those 10 points or whatever. Um, and so we engage in what's called project-based learning where they are given this problem at the beginning of the, the unit or semester, and their learning process over the course of the semester is them figuring out and answering or coming up with their solution. Um, and so, you know, at the beginning of last year, I said, hey, you guys need to design a drug that does this. Good luck. <laughs> and th so many came up and were like, is this the right answer? Well, guys, there isn't a right answer. It's can you support what you've done here? Can you explain your reasoning? Can you reasoning? convince me this Can is you, a good Do answer? you have an argument for yeah. why this works? And I think shifting that mindset um, is really hard to do, but I have seen it happen. Mm -hmm. I know that it can happen, and though that freshman class is better off for it as they enter their, their sophomore year, and then they go through the rest of their high school experience. And that is why I told you people she's the project-based learning queen for things like that. We know class changes can be hectic, so I want to conclude with this. If you guys could just leave us with one in-class instruction or routine that you offer students to help them Calm down from class changes and enter your learning environment. Do you have something? Yes. So, um, Laura, you mentioned this when we were kind of talking about what we wanted to say on the podcast about teaching bell to bell, mm -hmm. meaning that um, there's not a lot of lag time. The students come in. There are structures and routines in place. Students are learning from the minute they walk into the classroom to the minute that they're getting ready to leave. Um, so what I like to do about 10 minutes, excuse me, before the bell rings, um, is have the students, I, I play Closing Time by Semisonic. Who doesn't love that track? <laughs> yes. Um, I saw a former student the other day, and the first question was, do you still play that song at the end of class? <laughs> it's a like, ritual. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of their cue to start, you know, winding down. They start to pack up. Um, we always have a closing question to kind of tie the learning together. That's it cool. could be comprehension questions or it could just be metacognitive, like reflecting on your thinking, reflecting on the process of learning for that day. Um, but 
you hate to just send kids out of your class in a rush. Um, you don't have bells. So right. I'm, I'm interested to see how that works. <laughs> but um, you want to give them time to calm down. That music really helps them and kind of primes them to say, oh, it's time to go. Um, they We tie up the learning so it's nice and neat before they leave. Love that. And they get all of their things. Middle schoolers are insanely forgetful. Um, so just making sure, hey, have you checked your space? Do you have all of your things? Um, we, we get them out and making sure that I say, hey, have a great day of learning. Mm. Um, and just sending them out on, on a positive note. They love that. Literally on a positive note. Laura, what's your tradition? You know, it's funny that um, Vanessa plays closing time for them to leave. I play oh. JoJo's Get Out. <laughs> That's what I play. Um, <laughs> Different message, yes. but same outcome. Yes, yeah. same outcome. That's no. a great track, they think too. It's, they think it's hilarious. That's on my workout playlist, I think. Yeah, yeah. so just know that I'm playing that to yeah. get teenagers to leave my classroom. Um, but, but no... <laughs> One of the ways that we start class, and I think this is a way that gets them in a mindset as soon as they walk in, I am outside my door shaking their hands and greeting them as they come in. Um, that if I'm not there, they know to just kind of line up in the hallway until I arrive. That nobody enters my class without me saying something or, or greeting them in some way. And I think by doing that, you're setting the expectation of like, hey, we are here together and we are about to do whatever it is we're doing today. Um, I'm kind of the opposite of Vanessa. I like to leave my classes on a cliffhanger. Oh, um, nice. I, I like Create to create that dissonance. Yes, that <laughs> suspense for the next class. That usually our class ends with um, a new question being posed. Mm. You know, after we've done an experiment or a case study of, well, let's consider this. What oh. might happen if this were to occur? And get out right now. Oh. It's the end of class today. <laughs> like that kind of thing. So. Um, but, but for me, I'm a bell-to-bell. -bell. We have 90-minute blocks every other day, and I fill every second of every it. Every second. I do offer breaks. That is something that I think is important is, hey, we've just done this pretty intense thing. Let's take five minutes. Yeah. You know, take a phone break. That's fine. I need a break. Yes. Um, and also, with my students, we don't have bells. And it's funny, the first couple weeks of school, our freshmen will do this. They'll raise their hand to ask to go to the bathroom. And... I, that's not something we do in my class. You, if you need to go to the bathroom, you go. There's the door, guys. Like, <laughs> just just sign your name so I know you're gone. But that's it. And it takes a while for them to transition out of wow. I don't have to ask to do this. Mm -hmm. and, um, so so those kinds of things. An idea just came to me. It would probably not shock you guys to know I was a cheerleader when I was in high school. <laughs> but uh, one of the things that we did that was so exciting for the game, you know, the team and the cheerleaders run out of the tunnel, right? Yes. What if your students ran into your class and the lights were off and there was some fog? <laughs> Just something to think about. You guys can workshop that. Get yeah. back to me. I don't know if what that would do with the sprinkler system. True. Just, <laughs> Please do not that. cause any emergencies <laughs> at your school. Thank you, Vanessa and Laura, for being here today. Did you have a good time? Awesome time. This was so cool. Thank you for having us. Yes. Thank you so much. Very good. Thank you for sharing all your beautiful insights and for ensuring that our students are eager and equipped for the great beyond as they promote for the top-notch instructional and instrumental support you educators are providing in the classroom, make this phrase your forever affirmation. Would you please? And remember it. You're a great teacher. I'm Ashley, and I can assure you that I won't be promoted before next week's episode, nor do I wish to be. I am perfectly content sitting behind this microphone as your Classroom Conversations host until retirement. So please come back next week, and we'll make this farewell a goodbye for now. Talk to you soon.
Funding for Classroom Conversations is made possible through the School Climate Transformation Grant. 